what's up everything it's the middle of the stanley cup finals which means that two teams are busy trying to win the game's ultimate prize and individuals are trying to win some of the game's most illustrious door prizes all while the other 30 teams are busy trying to win secondary prizes like boring recycled coaches that get jobs time and time again we'll talk about the surprising prizes and the not so prized surprises ahead so let's get started and let's go thunderbirds back everyone welcome to the two guys one cup podcast it is currently thursday june 23rd i did it i got them all right all the parts of it were correct (laughs) and we are uh in two cities at the moment as has become our usual situation although maybe not um next week or the week after one of those one of those and maybe both of those weeks probably in person so hey um Got to do draft, got to do the draft in person. Oh, God, I can't wait. Mm, Draft season, baby. It's the most, most exciting, unexciting (laughs) time of the year. It's the time when you think, oh, this is really cool. We just got this guy that won't impact this franchise for like two or three seasons. (laughs) I get really, yeah, I get really excited when I realize we're picking, you know, 24th or something as usual. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I I'm glad we're not bad, but man, I really wish we were the Anaheim Ducks with like yeah. three first rounders. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ian, I wanted to be- begin tonight with a story, a-, a rags to riches tale, if you will, an American <laughs> dream, an honest boy come true sort of story. And it's this, it's this simple fact. I realized this today and I thought I had to share this with you because it's so dumb. Um, somehow when I was growing up, I never had one of the refrigerators that has the water and the ice maker in yeah. the door it's just you know that's I mean, for my, fancy houses that's right right for the I rich people like, exactly i wasn't like you know destitute most of the time but like <laughs> we just never were quite at that level you know and i always thought I that. whenever i got to use one of those i always thought man that that'll be that's the laugh of luxury that's like john mulaney talking about a, a big cheese pizza in the back of a limousine like that's <laughs> That's the tops, baby. And this apartment I moved into, the refrigerator does have one. And I got to tell you, Ian, it has absolutely lived up to the hype. It's fantastic. (laughs) It's just like, I just went over there earlier and poured it. Um, And I got to say, it it just felt great. You know, it was, it's fresh, it's cold. I I don't have to go over to the faucet like the plebs do, you know. Mm. I just, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things. It's totally run of the mill, but to me, you know, it's exciting. That's right um, from the St. John, right? John. Yeah, that's right. that's right. Probably right from the dirty, disgusting St. John, but it means something to me. And speaking of taking things that are run, run of the mill and pretending they're exciting, <laughs> Ian, it's the <laughs> NHL coaching carousel. We have like uh, circus music for this part. Yeah. Like, we should. Yeah. Um, let's imagine there's a there's a circus music right now. I can I can make that happen for you. Um, uh, oh yeah, it's funny because the names that are moving this time are much bigger names, and yet 
the net result still feels just as bad, <laughs> you know, like, it's I don't so know. true. All of these um, people were, well, no, I guess Tortorella didn't coach last year, right? So I was right. like, three of these people were at least coaching last year. And he was probably busy saying, this is wrong that I'm not coaching. <laughs> That's right. I, sh- I should not make a joke out of his best ever moment as a human mm. being, but I will because I'm a bad person. His Jersey accent was just too, it's too easy to meet. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, folks, I'm not even going to tell you what the clip we're talking about is because you'll hate us. Um, but in any case, uh, for coaches, there's still some coaches. There's still some teams out there looking for coaches, right? Um, Detroit, Boston, Chicago. We talked about Chicago. Chicago getting someone, but then it was kind of like debunked, right? Yeah, Wasn't Kevin it? Weeks was out here saying that they were going to get this guy that no one's heard of before, and everyone was angry about that. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out that that's he was a little premature on that. Yeah, and everyone was angry about that as well. <laughs> well, of course, got to be angry about something. Um, I I think oh Matthew Kachuk's going to be a a guest with Jeremy Rutherford on the radio later this week or Why? today, I guess it was because Why? he's a future Bluey and. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the four that we currently do know that have been announced by their teams and everything and are legitimate are, I think this is the most predictable. Well, no, the first two are both just shockingly predictable. <laughs> um, Bruce Cassidy going to Vegas. I felt as soon as, as soon as he and, and Barry Trotz were available, I knew one of them was going to Vegas, hmm. like a hundred percent. Shiny. Um, the yeah. They have out there, they big can't, UFA. They can't, they literally cannot possibly add to their roster this year. Like it's, it's inconceivable. They're actually going to have to subtract and they have, as we'll talk about in a minute, but you knew they were going to do something shiny and pretty. Um, mm. And Bruce Cassidy is both shiny and pretty. So he's a very <laughs> handsome man. Um, you know, I mean, I hate it because I think he's a great coach. And I don't exactly understand why the Bruins fired him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Poor management. <laughs> I really, I mean, I think like most, I would say like most people, uh, I've turned pretty hard on the Vegas Golden Knights and I'm pretty anti-Golden Knight at this point. I want to not be, but their ownership has just be, is just so toxic with all the, mm-hmm. all the constant grabbing after the next bright, shiny thing. Um, it's a great hire though. It's what are you going to say? It's a fantastic hire, you know, yeah, I mean, coach. It's the one that I, I guess some of these are actually pretty exciting. Now that I look at them, but to, to me, that's the one that actually like maybe fits the best uh-huh. um, where I'm like, okay, I can see this working. No problem. Yeah. Um, I know the guys in 31 thoughts thought that his, his coaching style was very different from DeBoer's style. And so how they might change the roster around for that or whatever, but it still seemed like, you know, regardless of that, um, it's, he's, he's just a really good coach. I mean, he's had mm-hmm. great success with Boston. Again, I think he's only out of Boston because their management group is not so smart. The um, drizzle shits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to put it lightly, to put it, put it PG for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, good. <laughs> I don't think that's that PG. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's PG. 30. That's PG in the 80s when, uh, when you could, like, you know, get that's right. one fuck away. <laughs> And before, a PG movie. <laughs> before Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom ruined it. That's right. Which is a true story I learned the other day. That, that, movie, that movie was like 
graphic enough and yeah and the hearts i'm sure a big part of it and sexual enough that people were like kind of upset at its rating and spielberg himself was kind of like then give us something in the middle because it's not it's not a rated r movie so give us a pg-13 give me a hard r that's Indiana right jones that's right right now with harrison ford oh 84, that'd be great a yeah. hard r oh, it'd be amazing. very um what's that movie it'd be uh very much like a cosmic gumbo you know i think that's oh. a movie definitely <laughs> no no that was our last episode <laughs> we can't bring that back um yeah uh, the rhythm of jazz <laughs> that's right he and uh he and uh Mark Hamill would joke on set about how it was like a cosmic combo. <laughs> all right, all right, we've gone too right, far. We're back, we're back. Uh, this is uh, the most predictable move of them all. John Tortorella going to Philadelphia. It's finally happened. Round of applause, round of applause for John Tortorella going to Philadelphia. This match made in heaven. It, you know what? There's a sense in which I'm like, it actually is because what John Tortorella excels that, absolutely excels that, is taking teams that should be rebuilding and have no excuse making the playoffs and getting them into the eighth playoff seed. Mm -hmm. That is his bread and butter baby. And I think he's going to do, I think he'll manage to do it with Philadelphia next season. I think there's enough talent there. There's Mm -hmm. enough pieces. I think I totally believe they should tear down 100% rebuild from the ground up, but they're clearly not going to do that. And I think he's got enough talent and they're going to make one big stupid signing, whether it's Gaudreau or Kadri or whoever. And um, as they say, aggressively retool, there are a bunch of aggressive retools, but that's a different story. Aggressively retools, the, like yeah. the most like, so a rebuild. Oh, so it's no, a small retool. Well, no, no we're not just going to do a little bit. I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah. We're just a real PG 13. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, we uh but yeah i mean i i do think he's gonna he's gonna scooch him into the playoffs and then he's gonna win the jack adams and Mm. then in a year and a half sean couturier will um you know call his mother a whore on the bench or something or he'll call sean couturier's mother a whore on the bench or something and he'll be fired and then he'll do the studio gig for a couple years and then i don't know vancouver will hire him it'll just just bring him right back Oh, he's um, already been in Vancouver. For, yeah, for like was, a one year. That, I think that, that was, was a, it. Yeah. It was but, a wild year, but it was one year. Yeah. Well, oh, the wild. Maybe that's it. That's a perfect, that's <laughs> oh, a John Tortorella team right in the, mm, that feels you, good. You are both like helping and tremendously hurting your, well, you're not really, I guess you're not like hurting your team when John Tortorella's there. It's yeah. just you're like, you're, you're really stretching that, that, <laughs> thin your team's very thin at this point you're like we uh, made it and it's like you sure did buddy you sure <laughs> did and then three years from now you realize yeah like you said you should have been rebuilding three years ago and uh three years from now you're like no this is wrong <laughs> <laughs> like seriously though i'm trying to think like it wasn't right after he left but when he left the rangers and um, they rebuilt however many years later uh-huh um when he left vancouver and then they had to start rebuilding. Um, like it's just, yeah, he's like the stopgap of like, I think we got enough talent to push us in. And then he leaves and they go, ah, nah, we don't. <laughs> it was just John Tortorella all along. So, like, good for him. Do you think I, I really do feel like they get a Johnny Gaudreau and like they those two like say to the cameras everything works out great? They have a great relationship. 
but like behind the scenes you can really tell that like johnny's not playing defense and he fucking hates him yeah oh what a contract nightmare that team is too i i always this is one of those teams that i'm always like it can't be that bad right and then i look and i'm like oh my god kevin hayes four years 7.1 james van reemsdyke another year at seven but he'll be done after that cam atkinson three years 5.8 Travis Konechny, 5.5 for three years. That's pretty fine. Mm-hmm. Joel Farabee, 5 million through 2027-28. And then the inexplicable, with respect, with <laughs> lots of respect, the inexplicable 3 million a year to Scott Lawton through the 2025 26 <laughs> season. Mad, <laughs> mad respect, like, man. Yeah, respect. yeah, mad respect, but he's a trash bag person. And then, of course, the Ristolainen extension, which we've covered, I'm sure, in detail in the past. Um, they've got Couturier locked up long term, but he's not getting any younger. Um, and Ryan Ellis, five more years at 6.25, and he couldn't even play this year. So um, a lot of long, messy contracts there. They're going to add another long, messy one in, in free agency. You know, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um and I think they'll do enough to compete and we're going to convince ourselves that the fires are back, but they won't be back. Don't fall for it. It's not true. It's a lie. Um, yeah, it's not going to be good. That's, that's my final thought on the John Tortorella Philadelphia era. You've, you've seen, yeah, you've seen this before. It's just a different, a different Jersey on the team. And speaking of seeing it before it's Pete DeBoer. Um, I'm glad he went to Dallas because I needed a team in our division that I could just totally hate. And Mm -hmm. that's who the Dallas stars are now. I hate Pete DeVore more than ketchup hates mustard. Does ketchup hate mustard? No, no one's, no one's ever interviewed ketchup more than, more than those Chick-fil-A cows hate hamburgers. There we go. Um, I don't, it's not entirely rational, uh but it's something and i mean he's just kind of an outward ass you know yeah. i mean a lot of coaches are kind of ornery but he just seems like extra ornery. i just don't think mm-hmm. i've ever seen that man happy he's not really angry he's just kind of like doesn't look like he wants to be an NHL yeah. coach true yeah and talk about teams that also desperately need to tear down and rebuild this is a really weird hire for me for them because it's also i guess it's the same as tortorella in the sense of it's like they're trying to pretend that there's something there and i guess it's hard for them not to when they were in the stanley cup final two years ago but like bishop's gone ottinger's the best thing in the world you got that probably but Mm. why do i why if if all your team had was a goalie a young goalie. Why on earth <laughs> would you hire Pete DeVore? Why would you do that? Yeah, That's the guy, like, guy's allergic to goaltending. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't. That's like throwing a clown party and hiring John Wayne. <laughs> you oh, know? It just don't do it. Don't do check it. Check divorce home. Check divorce home. That's right. It's not check the crawl space. It's not good behavior. <laughs> don't like what about what about last season made you think, you know what? I need to hire Pete DeBoer. That's a guy, that's the guy we have to have. 
How do you arrive at that conclusion? With John Tortorella, I almost get it. I sort of get how you convince yourself, like if you're honest with yourself and you're exactly like, listen, we ain't good, but we're not willing to give up and we need a guy that can get us from okay to playoff. Yeah. John Tortorella's that guy. I get that. But if you're a team that's trying to get by on goaltending and you don't have much going on on the roster, how you get to Pete DeBoer, I just don't understand. Um, They've got, you know, some young fun pieces there, but again, I don't, I don't know that he's the coach for them on 32 thoughts. They talked about Merrick. I don't know if you heard this. Merrick was like, Elliot, who is going to benefit the most from this Pete DeBoer defense generates the offense like defense shoots the puck at the net from the point who's going to benefit from that well he was like so yeah so Elliot's thinking and he's thinking and I knew right away already I was like I know exactly what he's talking about he's like you gotta you just gotta think about it Elliot you know it's like uh yeah just guessing defenseman and he's like no 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 he's like it's gonna be Joe Pavelski oh my god I like died. I was listening to it, like brushing my teeth, and I almost like spat up. It's <laughs> like, of course, I knew you were gonna say Joe. Did Mouse he go too. on to say the deflection thing? Yeah, he's like, he's so good with his hands. Oh, he's amazing God. with his hands. I'm like, I think this guy's been talking about so hard with all, how good he is at deflections that I he can't be that good. He can't actually be as good as people are making him out to be. Um, do you know they have a they have a defenseman, a young defenseman whose name is Thomas Harley, Bart Harley Thomas. Bart Harley Thomas, yeah, he's very good. I saw him at uh, um, Traverse City, I think, last year. But yeah, this is this he's is. He's like he was a, like a high high pick, right? Like a top five pick, I think. Is it Tom, at the Thomas Harley, born two thousand one, gross. Uh, uh, Eighteen. Oh, okay, but still, he's a very good young. Hey, higher than we normally pick. So. That's right. You know why? Because we're not losers. Um, It'll be interesting. I think this is not going to go well. Even if it starts well, you know, even if it's like, well, look at the stars go. I don't think it's going to end well. And maybe not even necessarily his fault. I think this team is kind of in a weird space where they do have some young, fun players coming up, but they also have some dudes that are on like big contracts that just aren't as good as they used to be. I mean, you're Jamie Benz. Tyler Sagan still, you know, does pretty well, but it's like Joe Pavelski's gone after this contract. And it's like, you have Luke Glendening. Mm-hmm. Is Dennis Garyanov, did he have a good season last year? No, they hate him right now. Yeah, and like, it's uh, Yoel Kiviranta. I remember that. I remember his four goals or whatever. That was cool. Mm-hmm. But like, I just, I don't see a lot on this team outside of like they Robertson. Jason Robertson, who's the stud. Yeah. Miro Haskinen, I think, is a stud. Thomas Harley, who you hope is really good, and Jake Ottinger. And Mm -hmm. to their credit, beyond the the two really bad contracts at the top of the roster, Sagan and Ben, they're pretty flexible beyond that. You know, you you can't complain about Faxes three years at 3.25. You can't complain about Haskinen's deal. Um, you can't be upset about Lindell's deal. Sutter's deal, you know, I don't know if I'd want that where they're at currently to take him to age 40, but I think he's still a contributor. You know, I think he's still okay. Um, so, you know. And they do have like 14 and a half million in cap space. 
Yeah, and some of that's going to go to Ottinger, but he probably right. can't demand the sun and the earth yet. You know, well, like they're so. like Klingberg walk for sure. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, Radulov's not coming back, I don't think. Yeah, so. yeah. Ben Bishop got traded to somebody, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He got traded to Buffalo. The um, ghost of Ben Bishop is in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, the, I sorry, think under right management and stuff, I think there is something here. Like, I think they yeah. could this is a team you could retool for real and i think you mm-hmm. can actually get a pretty decent team out of it i just don't think they're i just don't think they're going to i think they're going to be like <laughs> this team's good as is with you know a piece here and there and it's like eh, eh. i think yeah. if jim nil is smart and i don't know that he is uh, <laughs> they would they would retool a little bit and try and really build around some of these younger guys um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, Paul Maurice to Florida is a lot of people were shocked by this by Burnett leaving after, or Brunette, sorry, leaving after the season he had. Um, I kind of get it. I, they were the best team in the playoffs and then got in the regular season and then got absolutely embarrassed against the team that they gave a, a stiffer test to last season mm-hmm. with the guy they fired when they weren't as good you know like I is it is it cold yeah but like this is I felt this way you know I knew we won the Stanley Cup so I knew we weren't gonna obviously do this to Craig Berube but if we'd gone out in the second round I, I would have thought like just be sure that he's your guy you know, mm-hmm. and, and this is a situation where they're a team that has spent a lot of money on a lot of high quality players. Some that paid panned out, some have not, but they're not, you know, as, as much as their reputation is, oh, they're the forgotten Florida team. They have no fans, all that stuff like this, is an organization that's trying to win very clearly mm-hmm. and, and willing to do, do some creative things and, and spend some money to try and do it. So I kind of don't hate this when you look at a um, when you look at a coaching carousel that had so many qualified options. I did kind of think Paul Maurice was sort of the forgotten guy um, on that list. You know, he's got a really good chance. Uh, I write rewrite this article every year, so let me see if I can find it. But he's got a really good chance um, to break the NHL games coached. Uh, record, I think, because he's still he's incredibly young. Time. Um, yeah, and he's been around for a long time, and he's still very young. Um, Barry Trotz has a chance to do it too, um, but uh, I think Maurice is only like three or four hundred back, which sounds like a lot, but it's not if you get a five season contract or whatever, you know. So, hmm. um, I think he's a really good coach. I think somebody was smart to hire him um i obviously it's shocking circumstances but i i don't think it's necessarily a bad move as he's about 450 back um quinville is ahead of him but you know it's hard to know if quinville's ever going to get another job trots is well ahead of him and will get another job but trots is way older so he could eventually pass trots either way so anyway sorry go ahead what are your thoughts on the move I say I didn't like this at first. I think the more I think about it from Florida's perspective, 
like where they sit um, or what has happened to them these last two postseasons. It does make some sense. Like Andrew Burnett would be kept on if they were like an up and coming team and he actually kind of put them over the hump sort of in a way, like mm-hmm. they just weren't making the playoffs. Oh, they made the playoffs and they made some noise. It's like, okay, this is your guy. But he kind of just inherited a team that was under Quimville and granted you're still the coach and it, you know, you're making all the decisions and things like that. And he, and he did really well, but yeah, I think this is more about last year, them running it or being bounced by the lightning in the first round and this year, them getting swept out in the second round and you kind of look at it and go, well, when you, I don't know, when you get swept, that's a, that's as much on the coaches as on like the actual players on the team. Like there are well, no adjustments did, you made. I'm forgetting get the specifics win. now, but there was a lot of talk at the time that Brunette was really getting out coached too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, a lot of which Cooper out coaches a lot of people. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. But that's like, fair. it's, I also kind of get where they're almost maybe trying to, I feel like this happens with a lot of teams, a lot of really good teams, right? They win the president's trophy, they get really close to it. You know, they're super high scoring or like, or I should say they're like a really good regular season record. And they're like, wow, this is, means so much to us. Okay. But now what really matters is the playoffs, the playoffs, they, they suck ass. And then maybe that happens a couple of seasons in a row. And then all of a sudden they kind of, that team or teams, they have like a shitter season by their standards. And they come in like to the sixth, seed in the east or west or whatever and then they have a really good playoffs and it's like oh that's what matters to the team and to the coach and everybody and paul maurice i feel like is definitely one of those coaches where like his teams are never like they're just never president's trophy teams they're never like this team got 120 points freaking 55 you know some crazy amount of wins or whatever but they're always kind of like they have skill and they're a little scrappy and when they get in, you're the Winnipeg Jets of 2018 or whatever that goes around three. Um, you're you're a team that I know he's coached other teams prior to that, but I'm like completely blanking on. But like he gets those guys fairly deep. And I think at this point, they're like, we don't give a crap about getting 120 plus points. We just want to be good enough to get in the playoffs. And then we need some guy that can coach us through the playoffs. Um, and Paul Maurice, I mean, it's a proven track record at least of like being able to to do that in the postseason um, and then you kind of rest on the fact that you have some really good guys and Barkov and Huberdo and everybody else there um, that have the skill to then just put you over the hump when it comes to actual like playing um, yeah so yeah I think I've cooled on it at first I was like really miffed by this um, but it, it makes a little more sense yeah, and I think it's it's interesting to kind of one look back and wonder like, were the Jet, Jets teams good, or was he making them better than they actually were? You know, because mm-hmm. you look at what's happened since he left, it looks kind of like the latter, but it's a little early to tell for sure. Um, but in any case, I think that you know those are all quality coaches, but it's the same names as always, and you know that's the part of it that gets kind of frustrating. <laughs> there are too many men in the NHL coaching carousel, Ian, much like there were too wow. many men on the ice last night when the <laughs> final goal was A scored. plus, A plus. Uh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you. I'm very, I'm a little proud of myself for that one. Um, you know, the, the, the avalanche are up three to one on the, uh, 
um, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, after we talked about how unbeatable the Lightning looked. And um, I wouldn't call the series over, but I, you know, it's pretty hard to imagine the Avs losing three in a row. Um, Michael Russo breaks down the uh, Kadri situation with the too many men penalty. He said uh, Kadri was on the ice for four seconds and had possession of the puck along the blue line by the time the man he changed for and idling Nathan McKinnon finally got to the bench. It appears on replay that Kadri thought he was changing for Valerian Nachushkin, uh, who ended up staying on the ice and engaged in the play. McKinnon was still on the ice at the bench along the blue line when Kadri skated into the offensive zone with the puck. Um, my initial reaction to, the, to this, and then I want to get your thoughts, and then I want to talk about um, the NHL statement. Is that mm. good with you? You've yeah. got some notes here, so it seems like you've got more thoughts. I So I'll actually let you kind of run with it. I think my only – my kind of baseline thought is I'm stuck in this world where it's like, on the one hand – Tampa Bay absolutely did not lose because there were too many men on the ice. Mm-hmm. They lost because they let one guy with one hand turn style <laughs> two of their defensemen and then beat the best goalie in the world with a not very strong shot. Right. You know, so like I I kind of hate it as an excuse. However, I am also of the other other mind that it should be like a cut and dry penalty. Like this isn't Right. As the NHL is about to say, and I'll let you read it, this isn't uh, a subjective call in any way. It's there's hey, there's six guys on the ice. I guess what's subjective about it um, is the extent, you know, like if a guy's two feet from the boards, do you call it? You know, but I don't think there's ever been a play where anyone could justify a guy being as far off as McKinnon is. Like you never, you almost never see a play where where six guys rush up into the zone. Too many men is almost always a situation like this, mm-hmm. uh, and it always gets called because it should get called because that's the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my two worlds where it's like I don't exactly. It's not like the hand pass to me where it's like this is directly why the. <laughs> You know, yeah. the avalanche won like literally specifically exactly why they won but it, at the same it's a similar sort of thing where it's like that may be true but also it just shouldn't be a point like it the play should be dead so like how do you justify that so do you want to take it from there yeah so the you want to read the nhl's bit yeah you want me to yeah go ahead um, they said they released a statement, typically feckless of the NHL, uh, saying a too many men on the ice penalty is a judgment call that can be made by any of the four on ice officials. Following the game, hockey operations met with the four officials, as is their normal protocol. In discussing the winning goal, each of the four officials advised that they did not see a too many men on the ice situation on the play. This call is not subject to video review either by hockey ops or the on-ice officials. So they said nothing, but go ahead, Ian. Yeah, I was like, what I hated about all this was like, kind of what you already said. There were too many men on the ice and they missed the call. And yes, it didn't, it, it didn't really affect the outcome or whatever this was, this was just gonna happen. The abs like looked 
a thousand percent better than Tampa and OT. Like it was just like seven minutes of like the Tampa just shuffling out of their zone and, and the abs coming right back in. It was like bound to happen. Although sometimes, you know, when those things happen, then it goes the other way and, you know, you get one rush mm-hmm. and it's over if it was the blues anyways. Um, but this, yeah, this is as cut and dry as you can make it. And I've seen people say, Oh, well, um, this happens all the time though throughout the game if you had a camera on the bench you'd see guys coming on and off like this where they're within five feet or yada yada but i'm like but this is also the scoring player that jumped on the ice when their other player wasn't even off yet mm-hmm. um and, and thing- also it's just it's not you don't see it all the time where they're this far from the bench i'm sorry that's just not accurate <laughs> And like I'm you know. moving, I'm moving goalposts a little here. I'll admit it, but like honestly, if you want to make this, if you, if you want to do what I want to do and say you got to call this all the time when this happens, other than like when they're standing in front of the bench, basically, you need to then actually like make it so that yeah, they have to be at least one skate off ice getting on the bench for the other guy jumps on. You go, well, man, that's really shitty. They're down a guy at that. I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes the game more fun, quite honestly. Like that you have to literally get off the ice for the other guy to jump on. And it's like, well, yeah, now this dude, you know, Nathan McKinnon, um, he's taking himself out of the play to change. I'm like, yeah, that's the risk, the risk reward. I, I really do. I could be way overthinking it, but I think it'd be super dope if they were like, there's no, there's no little five foot box anymore. Like was long, you just got to get one skate off the ice. Like you're getting on the bench and the other guy can jump on. But if you're, you know, two feet from the bench and we know you're changing can't get on until like I get off. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be I don't need them to monitor it that hard but I think it would open up the game even more than it already is um which I think would be kind of neat but I, I also think though like I I completely agree with what you're saying but like this isn't a situation where it was subjective mm-hmm. he was halfway across the ice like mm-hmm. it's he was there wasn't four a five seconds. foot box. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's it four seconds. A Twenty-five foot box. You know, like <laughs> I, that's and again, it's like that's where I struggle because it's like I don't, I don't really like the narrative of like oh this costs the bolts the game, but like it's a horseshit. It's a call. It's mm-hmm. a cut and dry call, and you got to call it. And like you said, like it's all it's like the same as a missed. Um, like a missed puck over the glass or something like if they did that in overtime and then you take the face off in the same zone um rather than you know getting a penalty and they score you know the team that would have been penalized scores like that would be crap too and it wouldn't be why that team scored but it would still be crap you know Mm -hmm. so it's like it's just it's hard for me i'm sorry i was trying to let you talk but it's like I get frustrated because you say, let's make this rule change. I agree with you. You say five foot box, but it's like if he wasn't in a five yard box. He wasn't in any <laughs> kind of box. He was freaking. He wasn't even really on screen, honestly, on the little no. video they showed. I'm like, he's yeah. not on the, the camera that's sitting on the bench. Um, then I saw folks bringing up like that the same thing happened um, to the Islanders when they were playing Tampa. So basically uh-huh. Tampa had seven guys on the ice for a moment there. And Tampa scores, and then the refs miss it. And this is like last year's playoffs. So Tampa scores. It's not OT or anything, but it's a goal. Um, and the Islanders are super pissed. Trot's super pissed. Everyone's angry. So Islanders fans brought that up as like a FU Tampa. This is your comeuppance for that, which I enjoy. I enjoy if you're an Islanders fan and that's what you're doing. But then I saw uh, Avalanche fans pointing at him being like, well, see, they missed this. So like they missed these. And I'm like, 
yeah, man, just because you missed a call doesn't mean you get to miss other calls. <laughs> like yeah. if you miss a high stick in one game, you don't get to go, oh, well, I guess every game from here on out, I can miss them because I missed it before. Don't need yeah. to try no more. I'm like, what blows my mind too is like, there's four officials. Any of them can call that. I get you're looking at the play on the ice. I, I, I do think it's somewhat feasible that they all miss it. They obviously did, but it just seems like there's four of you, man. One of you is literally facing the benches because you're the line judge. It's on the blue line. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like one of those things where well, I'm certainly. more mad at the officials, but then I'm also kind of pissed at the NHL because they literally were just like, well, the officials missed it. So what are you going to do? Like, they yeah. just kind of handed it off to them. And I'm like, ah, this is your sport, baby. This is your league. Well, there is no mechanism for this league for like after the fact improvement and things. <sighs> um and that's one of the worst things about it. But like at the same time, it's like the the lightning certainly have no right to feel like they have some sort of cosmic injustice that's right. hell bent to destroy them. But like again, it's like you can say this is your just desserts, but it's like it's crap. Mm. It's crap. How did the Avalanche feel when they had the offside call that cost them the Vegas series a couple mm. of years ago? It probably they felt like crap. And you know what? Nobody was saying when they had that offside goal go for them in game one, nobody was like, well, actually, I think some people were like, oh, see, offside missed both ways. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense, though. <laughs> You're not, we're not evening it up. There's not yeah. some cosmic score. You, just, <laughs> you might you, be you able to be even better. up. You might be able to even up calls within a game. Like right. if you miss one, you might not call another one. Or if you call a light one, you might call another one. You cannot cosmically balance the scales from season to season, series to career, series, franchise. It's not a career plus franchise. minus. Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh well, you know, we'll just add that to the tally. Yeah. Uh, with it a, was with I was just gonna say it was, I mean, it was silly, but in the end, of, like at the end of it all, it was kind of just sort of like I don't know. Like, I, I thought they, people were trying to make it into a bigger deal than it was. Like, I think it's dumb and they should have called it for sure. But then people were like, this is unbelievable. And I'm like, yeah, I've always liked that. Bro, too. you I'm haven't like, been watching not, the NHL. This is not unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> this seems pretty believable. Yeah. Um, I do agree with that. And honestly, sure. too, I didn't want it to take away from, although two things kind of took away from it, this and the fact that the actual goal sort of got missed for a, a brief moment there. But like, wow. I didn't want to take away from Kadri basically without a thumb um, or with the, you know, a three weeks after having like thumb surgery, whacking at this puck and like an amazing shot, like to the point that, you know, I'm no expert when he shot it. I'm like, that went in. I didn't even, couldn't ah. even see it. And I'm like, that went in. And I, even when Vasilevsky's kind of laying on the ground, I was like, that had to have gone in because it see- was so perfect. That I was like, that that's the most, one of the most perfect, like the placed shots. And for the one second you see it whiz. You're just like, that's it. That's got to be a goal. That's 100% a goal. It was yeah. crazy to me when they were all looking around. I'm like, it had to have gone in. There's no way. Like, it was just such such a, like, almost video game perfect shot that it just felt like if it hadn't gone in, if in reality it had gone off the post and done something else, I'm like, no way. There's just no way. Yeah. It, I mean, it was a great goal and a great moment. I know people in St. Louis don't like Kadri. I don't, I'm not a Kadri lover, but his postseason story, you know, has certainly been one to watch and he's going to make a lot of money this summer um, because of it. Um, 
so you know i think it's a really cool moment and again it's like again you could have just stopped the one-handed guy from scoring that goal mm-hmm. and that also would have prevented this problem you know so like I don't feel too bad for Tampa. I don't feel like the Avalanche snuck away with one. I don't think they were a far worse team in this game. So, right. you know, now they've got the series lead. Do you think they finish it off in game five at home? Or do you think? I, I think they the do. Light, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. The Lightning just, I mean, there's injuries on both sides, right? Like the Avs have Burakovsky out. They've got Gerard out. Um, I think Cagliano's back in, but like he's banged up. And obviously they've got, you know, numerous guys injured for, you know, hiding injuries and whatnot, but like Point and Cernak are probably out. Cernak. Um, Sorelli and Kucherov both look like super busted. Like Sorelli was literally like wincing through the entire game. I was like, yeah, you're, you're busted. Um, they just, this reminds me very much more of like when the Blues played San Jose in 2019 and San Jose just all of a sudden like fell apart because they were like held together by like tape and children's wishes or whatever like they just they weren't they were barely a team anymore and then all of a sudden they all fell apart and had like five guys out in like game six or whatever I never felt as confident in any game for the Blues to win as I did in game six against San Jose I was like they'll win this they, oh, I know yeah. they'll win this because there's like no one on the San Jose Sharks anymore and I don't think it's quite so that bad but like Colorado just does not they don't look that gassed. They, I honestly feel like they could play another series after this series. And and Tampa is given it. They're all Vasilevsky has looked, you know, great minus you know uh, game two, but I, they just don't have the gas or the bodies anymore. You can just see it. They're they're trying. They're really trying. That and the fact that like other than John Cooper, kind of you know. Um, saying like that goal you know what do you say it was very like quizzical he's like you'll when you see what i saw you'll be questioning that goal <laughs> and then he like left or whatever yeah. but other than that he was like essentially like eulogizing his own team he's like this team has worked so hard and i feel so bad for those players like tonight that like my heart breaks for them and i and i get there down three to one and i get they all know that but dude, you've won three cups. Two well, that's cups, yeah. But thing. also, you like never say you. You just never. You yeah. have some emotion, but you're definitely like, yeah, it was rough, but you know, we got some games to win, you know, sort of thing. But he was pretty much already like, it's been so rough, and I'm like, okay, if yeah. you you're, you're you seem done, then, my guy, you seem done. That's like you remember when the when we did have the hand pass, the Verubi response was just mm. like, yep, next one. And that's like why we won. I think I completely believe we weren't good in that next game. But I <laughs> yeah, you forget believe... that game four. They didn't look great, but they still won. Yeah, yeah. But like, I I think that's a big part of the reason we won. Ian, what are you drinking? Is that a Vegeta soda? That's, of that's right. It's a it's a Dragon Ball Super uh, s- s- sparkling water. Ooh. Would you think a vanilla flavored sparkling water would be any good? Because I kind of was like, that sounds like it'd be gross. It scares that's me cool. a little. That's quite good. Oh, very nice. We're gonna whole, have to get you. There's a whole. I've already bought all these. There's a whole collection of cans down here that you might oh, be able to see. Oh, very there's nice. Like, there's like a Goku. There's a Vegeta. There's the whatever when they're together. The Gogeta. There's a we gonna have Trunks. We're gonna have to get you down here to that uh, Dragon Ball Z ramen bar down. In that does sound dope. Um, 
so yeah i mean i think that series is in uh in its final stages and good because i'm ready for i'm ready for the off season baby right after we lost i wasn't feeling that great mm. uh, but now i'm like yeah bring it on baby bring it on same uh the i almost said the seattle which would have been appropriate i guess but the springfield thunderbirds are in the calder cup final uh they are playing our uh last year's last year's <laughs> last year's last year's ahl affiliate the chicago wolves um as ian wrote here remember how the blues were forced to share the wolves with vegas when they came into the league and then the blues went and affiliated themselves with san antonio and then years later vegas bought san antonio forcing the blues to find another ahl team and be without one for a whole year wasn't that fun wasn't that so cool uh, <laughs> another reason to hate vegas that i don't even think of that one assholes uh, Matthew Kessel's goal in overtime, his first pro goal, lifted the T-Birds to a game one victory. Unfortunately, they've lost game two and three uh, with game mm-hmm. four, I think, coming tomorrow night. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty cool. It's one of those things where it's like you, you don't want to get too excited because you're kind of like it's not, you know, it's it, it's not like our best prospects are down there, but they've got some guys. Nikita Alexandros played all 14 games. Hugh mm-hmm. McGing, Clem Coston, um, Callie Rosen, he has risen, uh, has played eight games. Joel Hofer's played a number of games. He's got a you goal. Know. Joel Hofer's got a yeah. goal. Dakota Joshua, 13 points in 14 games. He's got seven goals. That dude's like, he's one of those guys that's going to have a long hockey career. Just because he's like just on the fringes of Isn't NHL the level, you know? or like that yeah. NHL, you're like you're good, you're totally fine, you're not good enough to always be here, but like you're good enough to you know play some games, and then you, you go in the AHL sometimes. and you're like, oh, dude, bro, you're the Connor McDavid of the AHL. <laughs> James Neal uh, on there, what a thirty-nine year old, fifty-seven year old James Neal. Speaking of fifty-seven years old, did you know that Sia, the musician, is forty-six? Really? Yes. Hmm. I learned that today and it surprised me. Um, oh, Matthew Kachuk said Robert Thomas is among his favorite players to watch in the NHL. Guess what? You're going to be watching and you're going to be do- <laughs> you're going to be doing a lot of Robert Thomas watching when you're living in a van down by the Mississippi River. <laughs> um, That's right. Please take a discount low enough that you have to live in a van. Yes, please do. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that the um, think T-Birds are there. It'd be cool if they won the Calder Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Bitten twice shy is uh, leading the team with 19 <laughs> points. Um, yeah, it's a fun story. I, I, I can't sit here and pretend I'm like glued to the NHL. Oh, games, yeah. but it's cool. It's nice for the organization. Um, it's cool for that team, especially because they – you know, skip last season, so I'm sure it's great revenue for Springfield. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about As an that. organization, they probably much needed, and um, hopefully this is a partnership we can actually keep for a while. I mean, I know it's not exactly convenient for them being in Massachusetts, but, um, you know, it's fun. They're a fun organization. They've got a cool logo and all that, so I'm into it. Um Another team with some uh, St. Louis connections doing great things, the Edmonton Oil Kings won the WHL championship, beating, ironically, the aforementioned (laughs) Seattle Thunderbirds. I didn't even realize that. In six games to capture the Ed 
uh, I can only assume Christian Shinoweth's dad, the Ed <laughs> Shinoweth Cup. Um, they uh, are a stacked team. They had Dylan uh, Gunther, uh, who was the um, the uh, he's the Intercontinental camp Champion, among other things. But he's also was a very high pick last year. Um, Carter Such, which I, I can't say I know a lot about him. Jake, Jacob Dimmick, uh, Jake Neighbors had 17 points, most of them assists in 19 games. Um, Caden Goulet, I think also a, a high pick. And Luke Prokop, uh, the first openly gay uh, NHL prospect, also very exciting uh, playoffs. So, um, or playoffs, also very exciting uh feature of the team and he had a really good playoffs with Mm -hmm. um 16 points in 19 games so um that was a lot of fun uh as the memorial cup started oh yes they were one and one and oh and two games in the memorial cup round robin tournament they lost to shawinigan uh they beat saint john and they play hamilton on friday ian these notes are thoroughly researched credit Mm -hmm. to you but you did spell jake neighbor's wrong name wrong so we are gonna have to replace you (laughs) (laughs) probably ain't got no games (laughs) probably ain't got no use Uh (laughs) i'm telling you that there's like these lines i won't even use them i'll just use the voice of a line and then it's going to be ingrained in my brain and 10 years from now i won't know what it's from but i'll still use it oh yeah for sure julie (laughs) um neighbors is pointless through two games that's pretty tough that's pretty Mm. cold um he's a bust as you said but he's also plus one so he's back to being the blue savior i do love i gotta say as much as he's a cement head Elliot Friedman does some things that are just like instant memes and he's really good at noticing when he's done it and he keeps doing it. Have you, have you seen the no point in warmups tweets? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that has now become like every time, every game thing, which uh, I just like that. He kind of, you know, stuck with that and, and um he leans into know. it without like fun. really acknowledging it. He'll just sort of just keep doing it. He's like, this is what the people want. Feed yeah. your people. That's right. Um, you want to dive into the NHL awards? Oh, yeah. Or do you There's want to talk stuff. about the ghost of Shea Weber getting traded first? Um, we can talk about, yeah, we can talk about the ghost of Shea Weber here. Okay. It just feels like the awards are a nicer point on the end of the episode. Uh, Shea Weber got traded for um, Evgeny Dadanoff uh, for real this time. I did, I did like the Ducks <laughs> tweeting something like, you sure? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, did, he is actually traded to the um, Vegas Golden Knights, very, very transparent salary cap dodge. Um it's cool. I think it's cool. I think it sucks. I hate, <laughs> um, I hate the uh, cap dodging stuff, but it's just going to keep happening. And I kind of, kind of like whatever, you know, it's like, it's on the where I'm like, it's against the spirit of the rule of having a cap where you can just like circumvent it. Right. Uh-huh. But it's also any, something any team can do. So it's not yeah. like it's not like Vegas is a special position to do this. Um, it's something about desert teams. I mean, them in Arizona, <laughs> but you anyone can do this. So I'm just sort of like, eh, if it's it's honestly sometimes me just kind of a fun little magic trick they can do. Like 
it's sort of interesting. I think the hard part is for anyone who's a casual fan that tries to get into the NHL and already has problems with like bonus laden salaries and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, now you see they traded this guy and now you see he's going to be uh, not counting against the cap. He's going to give him some cap relief actually. But you know, if he stayed on with Montreal, they were going to have to hit the cap uh, underneath the cap ceiling before they could put him on LTIR and see that would have <laughs> fucked up their And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, why is it like 90 hoops to be like, do you get it? Do you like hockey? Hockey's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is, is endlessly tiresome, but utterly predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> now let's talk about the NHL awards, I guess. Uh, Austin Matthews wins the Hart Trophy, justifying my purchase of his young gun card two weeks before he won the Hart Trophy. Whew, I was sweating that one a little bit. Uh, shockingly, I would say pretty shockingly, uh, second place does not go to Igor Shesterkin. Uh, mm. He did fall off a little bit at the end of the regular season, um, and it ended up going to Connor McDavid, which is one of those things where it's like you can't ever complain about Connor McDavid finishing high in the Hart Trophy voting. Um, but you know, it's also that constant struggle of like, but it's always going to be Connor. David, so make it somebody else you know? but they did make it somebody else i guess in the, in the final balance of things uh matthews i think deservedly winning he had what 60 goals right mm-hmm. um hard to uh be too upset about that guy winning the uh heart trophy uh johnny gaudreau and jonathan uberdo finished out the voting all of them got a well good draw not so much but most of them got a, a fairly significant amount of first place votes i'm surprised to see huberdo got 13 i guess alan walsh's campaigning uh did his did his um clients oh, yeah. some favors the, the but, french uh, canadian media too you know those are the people that also gave us um, matthews a four fifth place vote <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we get 60 something goals and was like eh, I think maybe your fifth best in the yes. <laughs> that is wild that he got fifth place votes and fourth place votes that is insane um, any uh, more thoughts on the Hart Trophy before we do mm-hmm. Norris the Norris Trophy does go to Kale McCarr by an eyelash Ian this is one of the closest votes close. I've ever seen um, and it shouldn't have been, but I knew with Yossi's assist total, like his his points were astronomical this year. So I knew he was going to contend. Um, he actually had more first place, first place votes, 98 to 92, um, but Makar had significantly more second place votes. Um, 1631 to 1606 is the final total. Hedman um, behind them at 940, McAvoy, and then Fox. Um, and then as I'm glad you included this in a tie for 15th place with one fifth place votes apiece, Alex Petrangelo, former captain of St. Louis Blues, former first, uh, first pairing right-handed defenseman, defenseman and Justin Falk. So mm-hmm. you try to tell me they're not the same person, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I had to say. It's a cosmic um, net zero, baby. <laughs> cosmic gumbo. That's what that is. Um, but yeah, so Kale McCarr finally won his, I did kind of think he's going to almost be, I did worry that he was going to kind of be like an invert, an inverted Connor McDavid, where it's kind of like, 
they'd always be like, oh yeah, we'll get him next year. He's going to win plenty. He's going to win plenty. He's going to win plenty. And then he'd suddenly be like 29 and not have won one yet. And then they give him like six in a row, you know, when he didn't really deserve him as much. It feels Um, like the selfie. It feels like you got to be an old forward. And then it's like, some dude's 29. They're like, oh, he'll be getting them very soon. And I'm like, dude, he's 20. Like he's halfway through his career. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess they, uh, avoided that narrowly, um, and gave him the win here, but not by a lot. Vesna trophy, not shockingly goes to Igor Shesterkin. He got, um, all, but what's this like three of the first place votes, mm-hmm. none of which went to second or third place, ironically, yeah, uh, crazy. second place, Jacob Markstrom, third place, UC Soros and all the way back in fourth place, Frederick Anderson, I guess he had some injuries, but he was really good. Vasilevsky in fifth place. He's in tatters. He's in shambles. He's the worst goalie in the world. Um, Billy Huso did get a third place vote, uh, tying him with Thatcher Dimko and, and Tristan Jari. So they are all the same goalie. Um, <laughs> no surprise. Shesterkin won this. He's very good. Um, and he deserved it. And he'll probably win some more. But he's not better than Andre Vasilevsky. And these Twitter trollsters who are saying that he is are out of their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Matthews wins the Ted Lindsay Award that's voted on by the players. Um, so he got the, the double-double, as they call it. Um, and justice was done with Moritz Sider healthily winning the Oof. Rookie of the Year. Uh, 170 of the um, total first-place votes, which looks like it's about 190. Um uh, very what much deserved, uh, I think, also pulled his rookie card. So I'm just swimming in it. Oh, year. damn. Um, Trevor Zegris in second. Michael Bunting getting the old man who was carried by Austin Matthews. Demotion, which I think was richly deserved. Um, and Detroit's uh, fellow forward, Lucas Raymond, in fourth place. Uh, I will never forget Lucas Raymond for scoring a hat trick on the night I drafted him in DraftKings one time. Um, I think this was right. I think I, it's not fair to bias this award, but I think if you can step in as a rookie and become as difference making a defenseman, uh, as as Cider was like, that's a, there's a higher level to that to me than scoring 50 or 60 points, you know, like if you can be the kind of defender that he was, I do think you kind of deserve a bump in consideration and it looks like he got one and I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm perfect. Oh, I agree. With I agree with that. Um, Patrice Bergeron wins the Selkie, a very predictable farewell award. If this is farewell, um, he won it by a lot. Lindholm, Barkov and O'Reilly behind him and Anthony Sorelli in fifth place. Patrice Bergeron, very good. There is some discussion of renaming the award after Patrice Bergeron. I don't know if Selkie is one of the problematic older guys these trophies Uh, are named after. Um, If he is, I'd be fine with it. If not, I would say don't change tradition just for the fun of honoring Patrice Bergeron. It's not like he's dead, you know. That is kind um, of like maybe I'm (laughs) underselling him slightly, but like, yeah, Selkie is not some problematic old white guy. Patrice Bergeron is very good and will be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's so good that it's like people give, do give talk him their award right now. I'm I like, think what? because he's like so classy too, and like he's uh, been in Boston his whole career. People do talk about him like 
like he's one step behind Wayne Gretzky. And it's like, dude, he's never been anywhere close to the best player in the league at any point in his career. So I mean, he's like a great player, but even like top 10 in any season, I'm like, maybe for some of the earlier ones, some of the middle yeah, career, but it's top like top 10, but like maybe not top five. Like, you right, know. right. And it's definitely a little ridiculous. I think he's, he's one of those guys that the media narrative just has been kind of like eating its own tail at all times of like, <laughs> Oh, we, you know, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of the Joe, Joe Pavelski thing on acid, you know, where it's like, Oh my <laughs> God, this guy's so good. He's so yeah. underrated. And it's like, He's not. You literally won't shut up about it. <laughs> if Alexander Ovechkin breaks the goal scoring record, will they name? Will they rename the Rocket the Ovechkin? They never would. They never would. God, they never would, because he uh, he's Russian, and Rock Richard is French Canadian, the best kind of Canadian for some Canadians. So you can't yeah. rename. You can't rename the Selkie Burger. I'm sorry. Um. I agree. I agree. Did my mic, is my mic still sounding good? Yeah, you sound fine. Okay, because I accidentally unplugged it for a second, so I wanted to make sure it was set on the right setting. Um, some of the smaller awards, uh, Kyle Connor wins the Lady Bing Trophy. He's very good and kind of underrated, but I probably hate winning the Lady Bing Trophy. Daryl Sutter wins the Jack Adams for what he did with the Flames. Um, Noel Acton, who I'm Tough acting to acting. That's the community thing, right? That's right. he's not a hockey player. Okay. I didn't um, want to take him out because it was the one thing I would have no, left no, no, off the cool. whole sheet. So I was like, I'll put him in. Uh, what did he do? Noel Acton drives around East Baltimore. He'll hear shots on the street from kids. Hey, Mr. Noel. A lot of boys and men in the inner city that know Mr. Noel. Um, there are shouts of, get out of here. Tender Bridge Foundation. Its mission is to get kids off the street and involved in sports, especially ice hockey. That's cool. Um, so good for him. P.K. Subban wins the King Clancy, I believe, for the second time. Um, one of the game's so, yeah. great, truly great people. Carey Price wins the Masterton. I've talked about this before. It seems like you're kind of giving it to him in the middle of the book rather than at the end of it, but certainly can't argue with what he's been through. Um, and uh, Mark Messier randomly pointed his finger at, uh, <laughs> at Andre Kopitar this year for uh, the Mark Messier Award. Um, Ian, you've got an award of your own. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, this is the uh, this is the Ian Peters Hot Dog Award. Uh, this is to the player that made me say hot dog, <laughs> which means the player that I personally saw uh, slap the blues in the ass uh, multiple times. And that'd be uh, Kirill Kaprizov this year. I believe Kirill Kaprizov in that first series, every time he had the puck, I got a little scared. And every time he scored, I was like, of course he did. Fucking hot dog. <laughs> um, you know, the, maybe I should know what I should really name this. I should name this after me. This is the Alex Iafalo hot dog. <laughs> That's who this should be named after. The inaugural uh, hot dog. I love it. I love it a lot. Uh, please keep doing this every year. Um, Carol Kaprizov also a rightful winner, so we will expect his uh, we'll expect his acceptance speech next year. I'm mailing him uh, hot dogs in a box. There we go. Okay, um, Hebrew uh, National. That's right, and only the best for Carol Kaprizov. Um, that's the end of our planned content, but folks, it's the summer, which means we've got a lot 
to cover ahead. We've got a draft preview next week, a draft review and free agency preview the week after that, free agency review. After that, we've got the Prospect Pyramid and the Misery Index, everybody's favorite, you guys, one cup episodes, or at least they're ours, and we don't really care if they're your favorites, (laughs) because there's no direct feedback loop, so we only hear from you guys occasionally. That's right, the silence that says we're doing a good job. If you wanted to reach out on Twitter and stroke our ego, we promise we'd be okay with that, but Mm. uh, in the absence of that, we're going to keep going with those two episodes then we'll have the world juniors in the summer this year which is exciting more right. hockey um and we'll move into the division previews and then it'll be, it'll be the season again it'll pretty much be um, september at that point yeah <laughs> um but yeah i'm i'm pretty psyched about the off season i really love doing the off season with you and i just love the off season in general so uh, I'm excited. Is there anything else you want to talk about while we're on here, Ian? Any nuggets of wisdom or thoughts that you have? Um, you know, now is the time for unbridled optimism. You know, um, you need to have it now before we draft like a stay-at-home defenseman at 23rd or whatever the fuck we're picking, and before we let Perron walk and sign some schlub. Um, you know, let me let me pick a random fucking name that would be like just kind of like great. I don't care. Uh, I don't know. Andrew Cogliano is he UFA? Like that would definitely be like we got Cogliano, and I'd be like, oh, oh Jesus, yeah. he's gonna win the Stanley Cup too. So good for him. Full barf, and then and then I'll be back to unbridled <laughs> optimism. You know, I'll be right back to uh, to everyone being like, you know what, this is gonna work out. I mean, last off season was actually pretty fun. I mean, signing Saad trading for Buchnevich. You never know what could happen. I think this team's going to get some defense in there. There's, there's, there's some nuggets to be had. There are. Um, I can't wait. I'm really excited. Uh, so I guess until next time, until we do our previewing the draft and talking about uh, probably the Stanley Cup champions, I guess definitely the Stanley Cup champions. By I'm calling it now. It's, it's the avalanche folks. Yeah. I, God, I would really hope if it was the lightning one three in a row and then like what i just said was bullshit but that would be hilarious but i'm not i'm not confident that um so until then uh we'll sign off we'll talk to you all real soon have a great uh i almost said fourth of july weekend we're not there yet um have a great regular weekend boring weekend a standard two-day weekend goodbye everybody happy flag day Like a wave.